Amen. Hallelujah. So this morning, I have a question. Before we start, um, I'm going to do something that might be a little unorthodox in a church. You might have never seen somebody do that, but, you know, it doesn't matter, right? How many of you, that's a $20 bill. How many of you would, re- would like a $20 bill? Anybody, anybody here that would really, anybody would really, really like a $20 bill? Anybody that really, 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 really want it? I mean, for God, yes, but yes, okay. Here we go. She said, I don't want to fight for it. You bet her, sister. Now, why did I do that? Why did I do that? You see, when I asked who wanted $20 bill, there was probably half of the people here, maybe less, that raised their hand. The others of you, you were just wanting it silently in your heart. Didn't dare to raise your hand. Amen. I'm getting there, sister. I'm setting my face to start giving more and more. But why did I do that? Because as I asked who wanted a $20 bill, many raised their hand, but very few went after it. There was actually just one and a half. Why half? Because she went halfway. And then she gave up halfway. There is a spiritual lesson here for us to learn. Because you see in the body of Christ and in the Bible, we all know here that Jesus died on the cross. And it's all about Jesus. Everything he did on the cross, he didn't do it for himself. He did it for us. And we sang this morning about the goodness of God. That God is so good that he sent his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And everlasting life is more than spending life in heaven. It's everything that God is and everything that he has. That he, through his sacrifice on the cross, he bought back and redeemed for every one of us. That's how good the Father is. And the Bible says all those promises that were bought and redeemed at the cross, all those promises are for us in God, maybe later. No, what does it say? He said all the promises are in God, yes and amen. And amen means let it be so. For certain. All the promises of God. What are they? Healing. Freedom. Holy Spirit. Living a life of godliness. Living a life in God that is full of fulfillment. Accomplishing our destiny in God. All of that belongs to us. Being a blessing. Being generous. Being able to give. All of that. Is for every one of us. But here is the key. Even though all the promises of God are in God, yes and amen, those promises will not come to pass and be given to you automatically. I mean, if you look in most of the people in the body of Christ, 
and I listen and I watch and I observe and I hear people just asking God. Even not long ago I was, I think I was in Canada and I was praying for a lady and she came to me. She said, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I prayed so much. I begged God to heal me. And that's oftentimes the sentiment that you find. I'm sure not anybody here because your pastor is a pastor of faith. She taught you better. But most of the time in the body of Christ, that's the idea that we've got to ask God and that, that, that well, if it is the will of God, it will happen. How many times people say, well, if it's the will of God, it will come to pass. Not automatically. Because you know what I've discovered? That the Bible says in Matthew 11 verse 12, it says the kingdom of God He's been forced, put pressure on. It suffers violence. He said, but, and you know what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the rule of God, the reign of God. Every time people got healed, every time people got delivered, every time people got helped, Jesus would say, the kingdom of God is come near you. The kingdom of God was demonstrated and evident when people were healed, delivered, blessed, and entering into a knowledge of God. And so the Bible says the kingdom of God has suffered violence. In the, in the Greek it means it's been pressed. There's been pressure against it. He said, but it is the violent that will take it by force. That means for you and I, we are, we have a good, good father. So good that he gave us the kingdom. Jesus said, it is the good pleasure of my father to give you all the kingdom, Shirley. It's all yours. But there's got to be something in us. If we are waiting for it to happen, we can wait until Jesus comes back. Because we see here that it is the spiritually violent that will take it by force, like that lady. She was so sweet. She said, I don't want to fight you. And I'm like, you better. Why am I saying that? It's because you and I, in order to experience the kingdom of God, in order to be effective in the kingdom of God, in order to accomplish the plan of God in our life and through our life, you and I cannot be passive on the sideline waiting for things to happen. It means that you and I are going to have to show a certain what I call spiritual violence. And you know, when you look at the Bible... When you look at the Bible, the people that received their miracles were showing that violence. I mean, remember the lady with the issue of blood. I mean, she had lost blood for 12 years, right? That meant that she was physically weak, sick. She had gone from doctor to doctor. They took all of her money. 
And at the end, they said, sorry, we can't do nothing for you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? The medical system was pretty much like today. And not only did she, she was broke with that strength, but the, 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 the culture of her day forbade her to come in public if she had a loss of blood. They called her impure, unclean. And so even the law, the law of Moses said, if such a person is seen in public, and even worse, if she touches a rabbi, because the law, the, the Mosaic law forbade rabbi and doctors and scribes to come close to unclean people. And that little woman, are you here this morning? Look at me and smile. Look at me in the eyes. Hallelujah. I love you too, sister. That little lady had every odd against her. But what did she say? What did she do? She told, if I can only touch the border of her garment, I will be healed. She had her eyes set on Jesus. And she came, she heard he was in town. So she came. But there was a crowd, a great multitude. Most of people today would have looked at it and said, gone halfway and said, thank you for that illustration, by the way. It was perfect. She played the game really well. Would have looked and said, it's impossible, can be done. I don't have, and her body spoke to her. Has your body ever spoken to you? And said, oh, no, you can, you have no strength. You can do it. Her little voice whispering to her and said, huh, guess what? Did they find you? You're a dead meat. But that, what did that little lady do? You can see here she had that spiritual violence. It means that she had her gaze on Jesus and her heart said, I refuse to take no for an answer. I see Jesus and Jesus I will get. Because in Jesus, that's where my healing is. In Jesus, that's where everything I need is. And she refused to let herself stop halfway or just turn around and say, it might be for another day. No, there was a spiritual violence in her. I mean, remember the paralyzed guy on a stretcher with four friends. I mean, they came, they heard Jesus was in town. They located he was in the house. They went there and they knocked at the door. The door opened and the people said, uh-uh, sorry, we have so many, we can't, you can't, there's no room, not even for one. Come back another time. Most people would have said, well, it must not be the will of God for today. That's got to be another time. But those four people, they had that spiritual violence. It means that they had their gaze on Jesus. Jesus had the healing. It was in Jesus that there was healing. And they said, 
We've got to go close to Jesus. We've got to get there. And everything that was against them, they knocked at the door. They couldn't get in. They probably tried through the window. They couldn't. They finally decided to go on the roof. And we read that very nonchalantly like, no big deal. They went through the roof. Hello. Easier said than down. Try to go. All of a sudden, I'm preaching. I'm sure it wasn't a roof as high as this one, but yet still, imagine it's not easy to carry a man on a stretcher, much less trying to lower it down on a stretcher through a roof vertical. Imagine. And the faith of the man that was allowing himself to be... And when Jesus saw them, he said, your faith has saved you. Amen. And to prove to you that it's as easy to save than to heal, rise up and walk. What if they had halfway said, well, it's too hard, or it's impossible, or maybe it's not for today? They would have lost their miracle, but they showed that spiritual violence. But now let me say something, because when we think of spiritual violence, we automatically think screaming, or banging on walls. When we think, whoa, when we think on spiritual violence, we automatically think of physical exertion and loudness of voice, when in reality... Some of the greatest violence sometimes is for people that don't even say a word. I mean, look at Jesus when he was against a storm, a hurricane in Florida's term. He's in the middle of the boat of the, of the Sea of Galilee. And all of a sudden, I mean, the disciples knew he was dangerous. They were experts at sea. They were seamen. And right there, what happened? They woke him up. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that we perish? And right there, after they woke up Jesus, what did Jesus do? He didn't scream. He didn't bang against the, you know, the, 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 the boat. No, he just spoke. He said, peace be still. Sometimes the greatest violence is by simply Staying in the peace of God. In another word, spiritual violence is, you know what we said, the kingdom of God suffers violence. It's been pressed against for you and I to show spiritual violence. It means we have to go against the pressure of the devil in whichever form it appears and comes against you. Because oftentimes, when you see people all of a sudden, when something knock at their door, something bad happens, what will they try to do all of a sudden to enter into spiritual warfare? There is a time for spiritual warfare, but it's not automatically in shouting and screaming. Are you there this morning? There's something going on here this morning. I don't know if it's one or more, but there are some people here 
I'm feeling something here in the spirit. If there's somebody here, you've got something in your heart that is bothering you, let it go. Let it go. It's not worth it. Amen. So we see here that for you and I, pray in the spirit with me a little bit. Ishidi ika eshtare de kesoro, shoriata ka ashane esere, ki di asare e kadiashtare, ki enana masen nele kiatare, kietoro o share estare, ole enama ashe ereba aprapte. Father, in the name of Jesus, if there is a spirit of offense, Father, I call it bound, I call it stopped in Jesus' name. And I call right now, Father, for your love, for your goodness to flow, for your grace to come, Father. I thank you for a spirit of forgiveness to flood this place, for grace, grace, and love, your love to flow in this place. Father, we thank you. We release it. We declare it. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So Hallelujah. 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 We're talking about spiritual violence. In order for you and I to be able to get a hold of everything that God has for us, it means that we have to be willing to stand up, rise up on the inside. You know, the Bible, we are in a culture now. We are in a culture where we are taught to, it's a tolerance culture, where we, in the name of tolerance, we have been subdued into tolerating evil in all kinds of forms. It has surrendered earth's passive, passive against what the enemy has done. And, 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 and what happened, the problem, is because of what's happening in our culture, where now we have become tolerant of everything and anything and have become passive, now we are easily accepting things that would not have been accepted 60 years ago. But the Bible calls us, it says, to hate what is evil. And in Proverbs 8.13, it says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Evil in all its forms. It means that you and I, if something comes from the devil, whether it is sin, whether it is sickness, whether it is an attitude, whatever it is, we should never allow it, tolerate it, accept it, and submit ourselves to it. We should have that, what I call spiritual anger. If there is something, there is an injustice in the kingdom of God. If the devil try to keep you sick, if the devil try to keep you bound, if the devil try X thing, 
We should have that spiritual violence on the inside of us, that spiritual anger that says, no, devil, I'm not taking it one more day. Enough is enough. And you know the verse in Ephesians chapter 4, what he says, be ye angry and sin not. And do not let the sun go down on your anger, nor give place to the devil. We've been taught and we've believed that if you sin, just before you go to bed, make sure you kiss each other and make things right before, because you don't want to go to bed with unforgiveness in your heart or anger in your heart. It's okay to keep your anger all day long as long as you don't sleep with it, right? No, that's not what it means. Did you notice it says, be ye angry? What is be angry? A suggestion? What is it? If I say, stand up, what does it mean? Fred, stand up. If I say it's a command, and when God, I mean, did you notice God in the Bible told us, be angry. When we think of anger, we automatically think it's negative. It's ungodly. But here, there is a, he says, be angry, but sin not. Why? Because there is a type of anger that is not sin. It's a righteous anger, a holy anger, the same anger that Jesus had in the temple when he took ropes and he made whips and he did some cleaning. The same kind of anger when he healed the crippled man in the synagogue and they were all angry telling him he couldn't heal on the Sabbath. And he says he was angry at them when he saw the hardness of their heart. And Jesus did not sin, did he? Why? Because he was angry at injustice, angry at sin, angry at sickness, angry at the spirit of religion. And the Bible says, be angry. You've got to be angry, but let it be an anger, a holy anger. And don't let the sun go down on that kind of anger. What does it mean? It means don't let that kind of anger die down. Don't let it go down. Nor give place to the devil. What does it mean? God is commanding us to have that righteous anger, which is not sin, and never to let it die. Because the moment we let it die and we accept and submit ourselves to any form of evil, we do give place to the devil. That means that you and I, we've got to have a conviction of what belongs to us. We've got to have a conviction of what God in his word on the cross has provided for you and I. We have got to know that we know that we know that healing is ours. That peace is ours. That the goodness of God is ours. That everything that Jesus I shed his blood for is ours. And we're not going to let anything steal us or keep us from that. That means the moment the devil is doing an injustice, we've got to rise up on the inside and refuse. to. We have to have that spiritual 
spiritual violence on the inside where we say, uh uh-uh, no, I'm not going to accept that. Just like the woman with the issue of blood, just like the man on the stretcher, who just like blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road. You remember him? I mean, he's a beggar, cannot see, and he has a coat, the coat that distinguished him as a beggar. And he's sitting there, can't see. All he can hear is some kind of a noise. And he goes, what's going on? And they said, Jesus, you know, the Jesus, the son of David, he's right here in town. He's like crossing the street. All of a sudden, that blind man, what did he do? He started to scream, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And what did people say? Be quiet. Now, Jesus finally is coming to the village. And now you're going to bring your attention and make some noise. Shut up. Be quiet. Don't embarrass us. Most people today would go, I don't want to offend anybody. So I'm going to be sweet and stay quiet. No, that blind man screamed louder. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He had his eyes on Jesus and he did not allow anybody or anything to steal, to rob him of what, you know, distract him from Jesus. That is the spiritual violence. It's to, in Jesus, it's Jesus. We have everything we need in Jesus. We've got to set our gaze on Jesus. And anything or anyone that would try to come and and, and, and distract us or stop us or hinder us from getting to Jesus where life, healing, and blessings are, that's where we've got to rise on the inside and say, uh-uh, no. Or like the man by the pool of Bethesda. I mean, he's been sitting by the pool, by the pool under the portico for 38 years. And Jesus walked in. Nobody knew he was there. He walked in and he saw that man. And he went to him and he said, Do you want to be well? That's an interesting question for a man who is paralyzed, isn't it? And sometimes we just read that and we don't understand the depth of what Jesus really said. When you read the word, do you want, it's the Greek word, telo, etelo, which means, are you determined? Do you desire so much that you are willing to do anything? Are you determined? Do you have that fervent, burning desire too? Why? And the guy answered and said, oh, I have no one. I've been here. I have no one to help me. That's the problem. He was waiting for something to happen, for somebody to help him. He, he was in that passive mode of waiting for something. And Jesus said, uh-uh, no. Stop waiting for somebody to do something for you. Are you determined? Are you willing to do what it takes? To get your healing. And you know what Jesus did? He asked him to do something. And most of us don't even see that. He asked him to get up and pick up his bed. It seems like no problem, but it was the Sabbath day. In another word, he asked him to do something that was against the traditions and the law that says you cannot work and carry anything on the Sabbath day. 
In another word, Jesus asked him to do something that would go against the religious system of the day. And the moment the guy said, yes, I am determined, I am telo etelo, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, he said, well then, get up and pick up your bed and go home with your bed under. And it was so, it was so against the, the tradition and the religious system of the day that he got kicked out of the synagogue. Hello. Sometimes being spiritually violent means that you have to be willing to go against the religious pressure, against the, the opinion of others, against fill in the blank. It means that when you have your eyes on Jesus, you're not going to let anything or anyone distract you, rob you, or keep you from the price, from what Jesus has for you. That means that you have to have that, that, that spiritual anger where you have that conviction that belongs, Jesus is there, that, that belongs to me. And that you have to have that conviction that, you, that the devil is going to try to keep you away. And you've got to have that determination to stand up on the inside, to have that spiritual violence to say, uh-uh. I'm not putting up with that. You know, that reminds me. I was in Switzerland. And they brought to me a lady in a wheelchair. And her husband had beat her up. And he had severed, I think, a nerve in the spine. Something had happened to her spine where the doctor had told her, told her you're going to finish your life in a wheelchair. This is it. And that woman, that woman came and she was so, you could tell she was so depressed. No hope. And you know, um, I went there to minister to her and pray for her. But I thank God for the Holy Ghost. Because he told me, he said, don't just pray for her quickly and try to jerk her out of the chair. He said, for her, and this is what the Holy Ghost said. He said, she will have to learn to stand up on the inside before she can stand up on the outside. And from there I knew that that woman had accepted the condition. She had to come to that place where she rose up on the inside and that she was willing to do whatever it's going to take to get it. However hard it is, however long it takes. And so I spoke to her and taught her different things. I spent time with her to the point where I showed her that there was hope. I restored hope into her heart and showed her that healing could be hers, but she was going to have to stand up on the inside, refuse to take no for an answer. And then I taught her how to get a hold and receive the healing once, you know, she had regained that spiritual violence. Three months later, a few months later, she write, writes me an email saying, she said, Audrey, she said, I'm not walking yet. She said, but there is progress. She said, I've started to move a few little toes. So I encouraged her. I said, keep going, sister. Keep pressing in against the pressure of the devil that will try to tell you that you'll never walk. Keep pressing in. Keep cultivating that spiritual violence. 
and keep pressing against it to get your eyes on Jesus because it's in him that there is your healing. Well, long story short, a year or two, you know, a later after the first time I met her, I'm in, in a French town close to the Swiss border in Annecy, and I'm in a church, and I'm ministering, and I see a lady on the side of the, of the, the room, beautiful lady with a big smile, and she, I kind of knew her, but couldn't remember where I met her. And I'm like, I know that lady. And I'm thinking, where did I meet her? Where did I meet her? Well, at the end of the meeting, she walks towards me and said, Audrey, do you recognize me? Well, you know what it is. It's a lady, totally healed. But you know what she said? She said, for a whole year, for a whole year, I had to do spiritual vibe, to press against. I had to be determined I first started to move my toes. And then she said, Audrey, I cannot tell you the number of times where I tried to walk to stand up and fell. Stand up and fell. Stand up and fell. But she said, I refuse to give up. I refuse to take no for an answer. And I continued to continue and continue. She said, because I knew, I knew that I knew that healing belonged to me in Jesus. Jesus, I paid for it. It's mine. She had her eyes on Jesus. And that's what we have to do when, you know, when you have your eyes on Jesus and you know that in him is everything you need, you keep your eyes on him. Keep that conviction. And, you know, we have a really good example of that, of that type of spiritual violence. Because when we say keeping your eyes on Jesus, what does this mean to us in a practical sense? Well, we've got an example actually in the Old Testament. In Numbers chapter 21, in Numbers 21, there is an example when the, the, the children of Israel, you know, that God had helped them to cross the Red Sea, parted the Red Sea, defeated Egypt, you know, brought, you know, manna from the sky, quails from the sky, you know, water from the rock, did all kind of miracles. But they come to a place when there is no water. And what do they do? They start, they take their eyes off God and start murmuring, murmuring and complaining. And you know what it did? I mean, it's the same with us. The same principle applies today. Because they complained, they attracted snakes. When we complain and we, re- we don't have a spirit of gratitude and we complain and murmur, it attracts the snakes. And you know snakes, it's a symbol of evil, of devil, and anything that he brings with him. And so right there in the middle of the desert, there was poisonous snake, and there is millions of Jews being bit by snakes. You can picture. I mean, they are falling. They are crying. They are, you know, ah, in pain. They are afraid, all kind of emotion, all kind of fears, all kind of, you know, and we read that like oftentimes we read the Bible and okay, they were in the desert, they were being bit by snakes, but think about it. I mean, most of us, especially us ladies, when if we see a snake in the house, what are we going to do? Help, Fred, come help me. And you know what I do? I'm going to keep my eyes on that puppy. And I want to know where it's going, what it's doing. I want to, and I'm going to follow him. 
Am I telling the truth? But you know what God told them to do? He said, tell. He said, Moses, make a serpent out of bronze. Take a serpent, make it out of bronze. And take that brazen serpent and lift it on a pole. And whoever will look at it. And in Hebrew, it's the word nabat. And the word nabat, to look, it doesn't mean just giving a quick glimpse. It means to look with intensity. To fix our attention on something without being distracted. God is telling the children of Israel... In the middle of the desert, while snakes are going between your legs, while you hear grandmother cry and scream, while you see the children being bit and fall, while you feel and hear everything, take your eyes off of the snake and put them on that brazen serpent lifting on a pole, which I must add. It's a representation of Jesus. Because in John, it says, just as Moses lifted the serpent, the brazen serpent in the desert, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Right there, it's a representation of Jesus on the cross who paid for all judgment, who paid for all sin, who paid for all sickness, who paid for all poverty, who paid for every work of the devil. That's right there on the cross that evil was judged. But we see here that God told them, he said, you have God. That spiritual violence right there is to take your eyes off of the problem, off of the symptoms, off of what the enemy is doing and saying. Take your eyes off all of that. And put them onto Jesus. And for us, what does it mean to keep our gaze with intensity, with intention, with purpose onto Jesus? We can do that by fixing our eyes on the Word of God. For Jesus is the Word made flesh. But I want to interject something. Because I see a lot of people that get into the Word and the Word, but there is no life in their Word. Because you and I, we've got to go in the Word, in the Word, so that we can get a word from God. Because the Bible says, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. When we keep our eyes on the Word, on Jesus, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Rema spoken Word of God. Hear me this morning. What does it mean? It doesn't mean that faith comes by just taking one scripture out of the Bible. It means faith comes when you've looked nabat with intensity into the word until you get a rhema word of God. Until God speaks a word to you. A living word. A word rhema that all of a sudden gets you on target. And that's what most people don't do today. They'll get in the Word, and they'll get all kinds of scriptures, but they don't have that spiritual violence towards the Word to get a Word. They think that all the Word is going to heal them, save them. No, it's the Word that God spoke to you in His Word. 
Do you understand what I'm saying by that? And that demands spiritual violence. That demands that we take our eyes off of the problem, off of the diagnosis, off of the situation, and we put our eyes on the word, on the word, until God, I need a word from you. I am determined to get a word from you. I'm not leaving until I get a word from you. And once you get that word, man, you'll walk on water. But remember what happened to Peter. As soon as he got his eyes off of the word, he started to sink. Amen? And so we've got, that's the spiritual violence. And another way, another way, you know, when we're talking about spiritual violence, it's not always screaming, kicking, and exerting ourselves with our voice or with our body. Sometimes it's being in the rest. Like I say, being in the peace. One of the greatest violence, like I said, you know, is when the devil wants to push you and pressure you to enter into fear. He wants to push you and pressure you to react. And just like Jesus, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, what did he do? He did not react. Reaction would have said, oh, let's run to Bethany right now and let, let us... Heal him. Jesus did not react. He took a step back and he waited and he prayed and he got a word from the Father. And, four, and three days, or I don't know, maybe days later, he went to Bethany and there he was dead. Jesus did not react. He stayed in a position where he fixed his eyes on heaven, on the Father, to hear the will of God and then he acted. You see, when it's in those moments where the devil wants us to get into fear and reaction, we've got to take a step back and say, no, I'm going to get my eyes on the word. God, what do you want me to do right now? Spiritual violence sometimes is instead of reacting, is getting our eyes on Jesus, on the word, and sometimes it's getting our eyes on Jesus by worshiping him. One of the greatest proof of spiritual violence is in the midst of the problem starting to worship God Amen. started to worship God it's one of the greatest violence spiritual violence you know we see in first chronicle 20 when Jehoshaphat was being attacked by the Assyrian what did God tell him to do he said prepare the prepare the army but let them be preceded by the trumpeters and the fluters and the praise and worshipers. The one that were before the battle were those that were going to worship and sing to God. That was one of the greatest acts of violence. Oh, hallelujah. And sometimes one of the greatest acts of violence in the midst of our need, in the midst of our problem, in the midst of the pressure that the devil tries to do, it's not only to get into the word and fix your attention on the word to get a rhema word from God so you can keep your sight on it until the end or worship God, get in his presence and let all the fear, all the pressure just fall off, keeping your eyes on Jesus. Amen. And sometimes it's like Jesus, go and take a nap. You know, I remember when we had the one of the latest hurricane. What well, was not the late one, the one before? 
but it was a bad one. Matthew, yeah. We had Matthew and, you know, our neighbors evacuated. We lived close to the beach, you know, towards the beach. So all of that area was getting evacuated. We were on the other side of the bridge. So we had an option. Most people evacuated, but we chose to stay home. We got prepared. We had food. We had a generator. We had candles. But we decided to stay home. And so, of course, we went outside. I said, I'm going to take authority. Jesus gave us authority. Amen. So I went outside, and we live on a property that has, you know, like some of you have got big trees, a lot of trees. We live right there by the water. And so we went, spoke to the trees. We said, not one tree will be uprooted. Not a, you know, our tiles will not be on our roof, will not be damaged. No problem on this property. That property belongs to us. So we, we declared things. We decreed some things on our property. We exercised our authority, but then we went back home. We went inside. And then as the day started, you know, and the hurricane started to evolve, I mean, you could see the wind. It was like 130 miles an hour. The trees in front, and we have windows all around. We see the trees going. We hear the wind. We look back. The water start rising. And we see all of that. You know what the reaction or most, the temptation would have been just to go and start going spiritual warfare. And I said, no, Fred, we've prayed. We exercise authority. Let's just go and take a nap. And we went in, the, in our living room, and we laid on both on the sofa, and we took an, how many? It was like an hour and a half, two hours nap. Like a two hours nap. That's not a bad nap. And we slept. And then we played cards. We look at the window. We say, no, we refuse to react. The greatest spiritual violence at that moment was to stay in joy, in peace. We played cards. We did like, you know, candlelight. We ate. We laughed. We talked. No phone, no iPad, no TV. It was great. <laughs> Amen. And then when the thing was over, there was trees uprooted all around our neighborhood. I mean, it was like a, 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 like a war zone, but we didn't have anything on our property. We had a few branches broken here and there. You know, and so spiritual violence has different forms and different shape and looks different ways. But it's a matter of at that moment stopping and saying, what is the devil trying to do to pressure me and go against the pressure of the enemy, however it looks like. Sometimes it's doing spiritual warfare and speaking loud the name of Jesus. Sometimes it's singing to the Lord. Sometimes it's taking a nap. Sometimes it's waiting, getting in the Word to get a word from God. And sometimes it's fixing your eyes on that Word until it comes to pass. But we have to be determined. We have to be tello and tello. Because the promises, the blessings, the healings, the, the delay, all of that will not happen automatically. And yes, I understand that as believers, we have to enter into rest. But contrary to what most people believe, rest is not being passive. Rest means that you rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And you go against the enemy that tries to get you out of that position of knowing 
that it's already done, it's already given, it's already yours. 